Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second episode of our brand new series, Rebuild, brought to you by Arc Radio. To continue our new series, in this week's episode, I'll be discussing where I think the profession is heading and including some little bits of what I think could happen and whether we're on the right track for the profession to evolve. Now, let's get straight into it. I think we should start with discussing where I think the industry is currently at. And personally, I think we're at this weird time in place where it's sort of the transitioning phase between old design meeting modern expectations. We often place everything down to brick and mortar and the use of conventional methods and strategies which have built our homes, our shopping centres and our cities. But now if we look very closely into what architecture and not even just architects, but if we look into what construction firms are doing, we can see that the industry is now pushing to become more consumer centric, whereas previously where the profession would focus on understanding what clients um, want and create literally what they want to a basic level, then move on to the next job. We can see that builders, contractors, architects and designers are now working even more closely together alongside other industries to produce not just what the clients want, but to envision a greater future for the space and more importantly, the life and experiences that the future end users will be having. To add to this is exactly what's happening in Gildan Village in Guildford. The prestige student accommodation scheme has created approximately 400 units for students who will be studying at the University of Surrey. I think the development is only half an hour away from campus, which makes it easily accessible for them, considering they will spend majority of their time in their accommodation campus. The project offers a fantastic modern take to student accommodation, but more importantly, it's the future objectives of the project that make it so unique and attractive to Guildford, and one that I think will be adapted and reused across the UK. This is because the scheme will later on in many, many years become a place for families to reside, and with the fantastic facilities available at the site, Gildan Village has become the current prime president for future sustainable design with the experiences of its current and future users in mind and put at the forefront of design. Now, I hope that's given a quick preview of how the current situation of the built environment is like in the UK as we go through this transition phase where new builds are becoming more about future use and how generations uh, after will benefit from the schemes we build today. And that's not just about giving clients what they want. It's about understanding the next phases in the building's life. If we compare our industry to professions such as fashion, art and technology, we can already begin to create a list of fields those industries are expanding into or already have strongholds in. And for sure, architecture needs to take a lot of inspiration from if we are ever going to become more consumer centric and design for the needs of the people and to become more about the convenience, comfort and value rather than the survival mode of here's four walls, buy the furniture you need and there you go. The profession needs to expand into creating buildings, spaces and environments which can be altered and configured to meet the needs of a lot of people and a lot of different people who have different needs. This was touched up briefly at the start where I mentioned student accommodation, later becoming family homes, apartments, meeting the strong need for student accommodation due to high university enrollment um, and later combating that with future needs for housing. A greater way to predict and work with current data is to keep an eye out for what schemes the governments um, are creating and how long they'll be running for, which types of users will be affected by this now and what will their needs and requirements be in the future. Can we as architects create sustainably, which after all means to meet the needs of the present without jeopardizing the needs of the future? So where do we go from this? What's missing in the industry and what should be added? After all, we are in the profession of improving people's qualities of life and providing solutions to problems without creating further risks and threats down the line. 
we have our phones in our pockets, we feel comfortable and secure when traveling with them. If we need something, we can take them out and use them for different reasons. And most times, if not every time, they solve the problem or allow us to conduct the actions we wanted to do. Our clothes, we choose what we wear, how we want to wear it, and have the choice to recreate or adapt certain elements of our outfits to create different aesthetics for different purposes. We have trainers for working out, heels for nights out, sandals for beaches and boots for the rain. Clothing and footwear have adapted to the needs of the end user, the everyday changes and activities we are involved in. Even in the worst case scenario, in a split second, we have the ability to go back and change as we have the resources to do so. So how come our homes aren't as adaptable? This fixed block we live in to only suit one purpose, to be shelter, to be protection, to be an excuse and a cover up for not extending and opening up the profession to exceed all expectations and to provide multiple alternative services for the end user. The pandemic saw us all stay home, yet councils worked on expanding and extending uses for the pedestrians we walk on. The experiences we have with one another, the ways in which we communicate with each other, why can't the homes we live in be as adaptable as the clothes we wear or the shoes we change or provide us with solutions like our phones do? We're all different. Why can't our houses um, be for ourselves yet providing endless opportunities for the future users? We need to double down on expanding our research for materials, for construction methods and for the ways in which we plan spaces for accommodation and other functions. There are many loopholes that we are deliberately turning a blind eye to, and I really don't know why. There are so many opportunities for architecture and design to progress and evolve if we would just take the time to evaluate the current climate, look around us at what the other industries are working on and what they're aiming for in the long-term future, because that's where the real fortune lies. Architecture firms would be so much more successful and the profession would gain so much more prestige if it was just to understand um, that without collaborating with these industries, we're going to bury ourselves to test the water, to have in-house labs, or as we know what will happen to outsource research teams and departments to work on understanding and exploring the future of the built environment. Zaha Hadid Architects and Design House Liberty to name who I believe are currently peeking their heads through this space. It's like if you're interested in investing and you've just heard about NFTs and you don't know much information, but you see that attraction is building, this is what the architecture profession is like with the need for cross collaboration with other industries. Then we will see this standard domino effect as one company hears what others are doing and the snowball gets bigger and bigger until the next generation come to the same spot we're in now. We can see that the current global situation on issues and threats to humanity such as climate change and the devastating impact we are creating. It's hard to understand why the profession hasn't invested heavily on designing a new generation of homes for this country to then scale up and use the methods of construction and design internationally. We are still for some reason rooted to the standard old traditions, which makes me question what architecture in the UK has actually been doing for the past 20 years and the industry in the past five to 10 years specifically. Where is the growth? Where is the actions to all the noise made about sustainable design? If sustainable design just predicates itself on solar panels and water reuse systems, then we are in big trouble. There needs to be a strong and bold change and we need to work together. Whether there's a committee set up, whether the RIBA wants to be the leading voices, to be honest, I'm surprised not much is being said and why students at university aren't being taught future methods of construction and this new wave of design that we must all aspire to learn and act on. We see the harm and danger not taking care of our environment brings in every country around the world. Based on the exploration and testing conducted through university projects, why can't the same attitude be applied to projects and practice? The push the profession needs and the responsibility we all hold to work for humanity, to improve people's lives and to always consider the needs of the end users beyond our times 
And this really links to the progress being made by other industries in the same amount of time and how they have rapidly grown and evolved to continue to progress. So are we out of time? Are all the things outlined in this episode so far out of reach and unattainable? No, absolutely not. So it confuses me that practices aren't working towards this, or even worse so, that there aren't any regulations that enforce the profession to move forward. Architecture has always been and still is predominantly run by middle-aged white men. With these new propositions from architecture schools and the RIBA to promote and support the rise of minority groups into power, we can begin to see something. What that something is, I'm not sure. I don't know what game they think this is, but you know, we will nevertheless continue to put our names out there to work to create the changes different communities want, because enough is enough. To relate to previous points mentioned in the episode, we need to take a break and understand the progression and the growth in other industries and analyze which sectors they are investing in and how we can apply it to our own profession. Technology, fashion, and design, to name a couple, are in constant change. Why can't the building spaces and places that we design be adaptable to the different needs, to the different requirements and the different propositions? We've all heard of not one size fits all. Why can't this be adapted to the built environment? Yet saying all of this, we're in a very pivotal moment for the industry and the profession, make or break, so to speak. If we continue the way things are now, there'll be minimal to no growth. Yet, if we take a chance, have patience, adapt to changes and be in this game for the long term, then we will be in a much greater position to work on the long-standing mission of providing a service to individuals and communities. And at scale, we need to work on improving our crafts where we are before we even think about expanding. But let's start now. I hope there are academics listening who would like to open this conversation up in their institutions and faculty. I hope there are aspiring architects listening who will contribute towards this. And I hope there are heads in the industry who will take a stance for this. Take a shot. There's absolutely nothing to lose when the odds are in favor. For example, go see the changes Virgil Abloh has made, not only in Louis Vuitton or his company Off-White, but in the entire fashion industry. Rethink, reshape and rebuild. And on the topic of rebuilding, I want to have the last chapter of this week's episode explore what the next steps are or what I think the next steps could and should be. Teaching more than drawing and design. A topic open to interpretation, yet we all know the transition between studies and working in practice aren't as seamless as anyone may have thought. To encourage not just students to continue exploring, experimenting and collaborating with other departments, faculties and industries, the same should and must be applied to architects in practice. Without creativity and passion, the industry is dead. We should always be curious. We should always work and professionally live as if we are students to be constantly learning and improving because it's only through this that we have any chance to improve and grow the industry. Then through this, we can see the work done to improve people's lives and societal change come to reality. It's easier said than done, but we must start. It will be done. This is a long-term game and patience is key. Patience and a lot of time invested in collaborating with other industries. Do we need to provide more funding for smaller firms? Could the RIBA provide a pocket of cash, a future generations project fund, so to speak, and request architecture firms to create projects that can push the industry further? And just like any standard competition run, the winner or winners get their project entries pushed to the next stage of creation. Because we need to be smart about this. We need to work. In architecture school, we're pushed to explore and experiment and ex to exceed the brief. Why isn't the same being done in the real world? Because as things stand, what are we actually working towards? I really think we can work together alongside and collaborate with some of the brilliant startups and architecture community groups on here to tackle issues within the profession and create greater change 
within the architecture industry. Let me know what you all thought about the second episode in the comments. And if you have any suggestions for episodes or topics you'd like us to cover, please feel free to send us a DM. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to keep an eye out on the content released throughout the week. And I look forward to speaking to you in next week's episode.